first time this year. I, I only like the test file two times a year, so I'll get half of it done now. Okay. <laughs> I thank God that seriously, I thank God for his faithfulness. And he is, he is a, a God that is beyond what I could ever imagine. And what, what I even need tomorrow, I don't know, but he already knows. Yes. And he's got me in his hand, and he's got this life. If I can just trust him with every move that I make, then I know that I'll be okay. And I'm thankful for his faithfulness. Thank you, Kelly Joe. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 65. Isaiah chapter 65. And while you're turning there, I'll say again what a privilege and honor it is to be here with you, with Brother and Sister Jarvis, with the saints here at First Pentecostal, with our friends in this area. What a privilege it is to serve God. Have you, have you thought about that lately? What an amazing privilege it is to serve God. We can know God for ourselves and have a relationship with Him. Thank God for it. Isaiah 65 and reading verse number 24. 65 and 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Look at that middle phrase. Before they call. How do we call God? We don't, we don't call him on the phone. We used to sing the hymn a lot in the church I grew up. And I like the song, Royal Telephone. But we don't even understand the terminology anymore. There are no lines. You don't dial anything. Haven't dialed for years, have we? So the terminology may be out of date. But we don't call him on the telephone anyway. That was symbolism. We call him through prayer, right? That was talking about prayer. And before God's children pray, he said, I will answer. <laughs> Praise God. I want to preach to you here a few minutes tonight on the answer is already on the way. The answer is already on the way. I feel like the Lord wants to speak to someone here tonight and tell you in terms that you and I might say, I've got this. The answer is already on the way. We had a pretty major mechanical breakdown back in early 2019. It was just a symbolism of what was to come the next few years. It was a pretty major mechanical breakdown. My older brother, who got saved in 2016, so he'd been a Christian about three years at this time, and he called me. I was outside of a repair shop pacing back and forth, waiting on the, 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 the damage report. I knew what was wrong, but I was waiting on the real damage Report, you know, how much is this going to set me back? And I was pacing back and forth, which is, is my, my stress reliever. 
When my knees and my ankles are sore from walking back and forth, I know I'm worrying too much because that's what I'll do. Some people eat when they worry. That may look like what I do, but that's not what I do. Some people just can't eat. That's, that's more me. I just can't, I can't hardly eat when I'm really, really worried about something. And I pace back and forth. And he called me in Houston, Texas. I was walking back and forth in the sun in January. And he said, I don't mean to sound light about this, Davy, but God's got this. Now, here's a man been saved three years. And, and, and I'm a preacher of the gospel, been preaching for many, many, many years at that time. And he spoke the word of God to me. God's got this. Hallelujah. Can I say to someone here, God's got you in the palm of his hand. And the answer to your question is already on the way. I know what the doctor, no I don't know, but you know what the doctor has said. You know what the bank account says. You know what the boss is saying. You know what your spouse is saying. You know what your children are saying. But God is saying tonight, on Monday Night Revival, the answer is already on the way. Hallelujah. The formulated answer, it's already there. God has already formulated the answer to your question. You haven't even asked some of those questions yet. But God has already formulated an answer and he's got it waiting for you. I believe that. I believe that with my whole heart. Now this God that I'm talking about, that we've been talking about, the God that you know, He is a good God. Can you believe that with me? That God is a good God? And He is not good every now and then. Because He is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. That means, Brother Jarvis, he's good all the time. That means in your dilemma, he's good. In your delight, he's good. In your pain, he's good. And in your pleasure, he's good. When your wallet's full, he's good. And when your wallet's empty, he's good. God is good all the time. I love, Kelly and I love to have conversations about the fingerprints of God's goodness. I love looking back on life and saying, you know, God was in that. Back in the 80s, we made a random visit. We had never been there. Our, my family's from Jackson County, but we had never been to Bond Camp Meeting, 19... 87, 1988, I think it was. We walked in on Friday night. When we got out of the car, Brother Bill Houston was singing, I know he'll give you a miracle. And I know it wasn't, but it looked like that old gym at the Institute was shaking on its foundation. And when I got inside, I realized why. 700 people in there in pure pandemonium. It looked like the squirrel went berserk at the first church. I mean, they were shouting and running. And 
My eyes were about to... I wasn't a stranger to shouting. I wasn't a stranger to people getting in. But I'd never seen church on that magnitude. A random visit. Brother David and Sister Karen No just wrapped us up in their arms after church. And just loved on us. And the saints of God there began to love on us. And we made friends for a lifetime that really brought us into the wholeness people. We were, we, were visiting, we, were, we were visiting Dryden Road, but we had not committed to that church and, and just, just helped. A random visit. No, I don't think stuff like that's random. What I want you to see is I see the fingerprints of God. I was saying something about this in a testimony. Kelly and I went on vacation in November and uh, we were actually off of Revival's for over three weeks and I only went to church 16 times during those three weeks and I only preached 10 times so that's a pretty good vacation that's that's kind of part-time like a pastor is you know just no I'm just joking <laughs> and and I was testifying in one of those services and and I was getting to preach to an international crowd people from all over and I was talking about the goodness of God and how you can you can look at your life and trace the fingerprints of God's goodness. You can you can you can say, well, you know, 30 years ago I thought this was a random decision, but now I can see that was God. God was in that. And a family come up to me that day and then sat me down later the next day to tell me more of the story. They were both of them born and raised and started their family in Ireland and and through some random mailing they got an opportunity to apply for a citizenship lottery and so they filled out the, the, the card and filled it out and over and then they were chosen and three years later they were moving to the United States they didn't know why they, 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 they hated rain and cold they knew that much they thought it'd be warmer here. I hope they were in. Hope they weren't in Ohio and Kentucky last week. But they actually they moved to Florida, and this was in the '90s. Random events. And he said he was raised in a a Catholic home, went to Catholic schools, and he had realized he he came to the conclusion God's not in this. God's not in this, and there's I don't I don't need I don't need God. And he never thought about God anymore. Didn't think about God in their immigration to America. He started a business here. Never thought about God in any of that. They were out riding their bicycles many years later, 2007, I think they said it was, riding their bikes on Easter Sunday. And they came across a church doing an outdoor service in a park. And they sat down and listened. And they were curious. And they found out where the church was. At that time, it was a, a church plant had a couple dozen people going. He said, so there was nothing there to attract us but the preaching. And they went every Sunday for six months. After the sixth month, the preacher made a very pointed invitation to salvation. And he said, I'm sitting there next to my wife. And I raised up my left hand. Not knowing at the same moment, she raised up her right hand. They went forward. He, he turned around and said, he wants me to go forward. I raised my hand. She said, I did too. And they went up and they got saved. Just a random 
bicycle ride. Why'd they go down that way toward that park? Because God's goodness was in it. And they said to me, we feel like being in this being in these revival services with you, this, this spontaneous revival service that nobody had scheduled, we feel like that is also the fingerprints of God's goodness. They count themselves still as, as baby Christians, but God spoke to them during those services. I want to tell you, friends and neighbors, if you look back, you can see God has been working in your life. Maybe you didn't know it then, but you can see it now. God is good. And He's not only good, He's glorious. He's mighty. He's powerful. There's no God like our God. The psalmist said, the heavens declare the glory of God. Go outside at night and the stars, you know what they're doing? They're declaring the glory of God. Our God is glorious. Our God is mighty. Our God is powerful. The stars, the sky, the earth, the rivers, the mountains, the sea, the land, the complexities of the human body, they all speak of a mighty God, a mighty powerful God. Hallelujah. There is nothing in your life that's out of his ability. You have any impossibilities in your life? I do. Impossible for me. Listen, if I could, before, if, if I had power to do anything, before I put money in my bank, or before I, before I put a, a brand new bus out there, I'd put walking in my daughter's legs. But I can't do it. It's impossible. The signals don't get from the brain some way to her extremities. And I can't do it. But he can. Hallelujah. I don't know what your impossibilities are that you're facing. But they're not impossible for God. God is Able. Oh, I wish somebody could believe that and grab a hold of that. There's nothing too hard for God. He's a good God. He's a glorious God. And He is a gracious God. You see, He's not only powerful. He's personal. He doesn't deal with multitudes. He deals with individuals. Yes, he's a personal God. Brother Shad McDonald taught me years ago. You know, we think of congregations. We look out and we see a congregation of 100 people. But God sees 100 individuals. Because he's a personal God. He knows where you are. He knows what's going through your mind. He knows what's on your heart. He knows the burden that you bear. I could never know. If everybody wrote it down on a piece of paper and gave it to me. By tomorrow night I couldn't have it all memorized. And if I did get it memorized and you asked me what yours was. I'd forget. Because you put me on the spot. <laughs> but he's a personal God. He knows what you need. 
He doesn't need you to write it down. He's already aware of what's going on in that mind of yours, what's going on in that life of yours. He's a personal God. He's personal to every individual. I I read in the paper the other day, as of December 31st, at the end of 2022, they projected the human population to be 7.9 billion people. 7.9 billion people alive at one time in our world. And our God is a personal God to every one of them. Listen to how gracious he is. The writer of Hebrews, Paul, said, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You can strike out both those knots and you can say it very accurately like this for we have an high priest which can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities he's he's gracious he's mighty God he's powerful God but he's touched with the very feelings of the infirmities that you and I carry what does that mean brother Davy? are you sick he feels that feeling are you sad He feels that feeling. Are you in sorrow? Our high priest, our God feels that feeling. Are you being tempted? Are you in a test? Are you in a severe trial? He feels that feeling. Are you in despair? Are you sinking into depression? He feels that feeling. Our God is so gracious that there's nothing going on in our lives. That he does not feel. That's hard for us to get our minds wrapped around, isn't it? He feels. Have you ever felt sympathy for someone? Have you ever cried with someone because they were crying? I I have. In fact, I'm a pretty easy crier. And I'm never going to ask God to change that because... I, I like being emotional. Well, you might say, Brother David, you're pretty emotional. You stand up there and you scream and you holler. Do you have any idea what it looks like for a 350-pound man to stand up there and scream and holler? Well, I've seen it on video and it don't look good. But it feels good. <laughs> I'm emotional. And I've been called to people who were in tragedies, who, whose families had accident or just received horrible news. And I've went there oftentimes. And I said nothing profound. I didn't have a Bible verse for them off the tip of my tongue. I didn't, I didn't tell them exactly how this was going to turn out. I just sat down and cried with them. And years later, Brother Jarvis, years later, this happened multiple times. Those people will say, I will never forget you coming to me when my mama died. I'll never forget you coming to me when my son was killed in that accident. I will never forget you coming to me when we were so devastated by that tragedy. You had just the right words for us. They have a memory of me being comforting to them. But I said nothing. I just wrapped my arms around them and cried with them. Hallelujah. We were in, we were in a revival and a, a man was was in an accident, horrible accident, and died. And 
We all rushed there. I was just the evangelist. We all rushed there and that wife was inconsolable as you would expect her to be. And she was just, she was almost and probably was going into shock. I just knelt down by her and held her hand and wept just like she did. But I can't really feel the pain that people feel. I can be sympathetic. I can be empathetic. But our God feels your pain. He knows what you're going through. He's a gracious God. Hallelujah. I said He is a gracious God. Yes, He is. Hallelujah. And he makes himself available to us. Let me read the next verse. After it says that he can be touched with a feeling of our infirmities. He said, let us therefore, because of that, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He is accessible. He allows us to come unto him. And Paul said, boldly. Now that doesn't mean you just walk right in, throw the door open, and demand God do what you want. That's not, this, this, is, this is not that. Our pastor told us last year, or maybe the year before, what boldly meant. He said, I can be sitting in my recliner at the end of a long day. I can be reading the Bible or reading a good book, and nobody in town dare rouse me out of my recliner when I'm finished with the day. He said, but my little great-granddaughter, Albany, can come bouncing in the door, run through the house, into the living room, climb up in my chair, just take the Bible or the book out of my hand, set it over on the table, get down and take my hand and say, come on, Papa, I want to show you something. And I get up and I go. Praise God. Are y'all with me here? That's what, that's what God has given us a picture of. We are his children. We're not demanding he do what we want, but he's given us permission to crawl right up to him and say, I need some attention in this matter right here. And he willingly goes with us. He is accessible. He is reachable. I may have told you before, but even McDonald's knows how important accessibility is. One of our early McDonald's, not the first one, but one of the early ones in the Dayton area, was built near the intersection of two farm roads, two two-lane roads. In the intervening decades, there's a huge mall built there. Thousands and thousands of homes built in that area. Restaurants of every kind, hotels of every brand, uh, companies, international headquarters, stores of every imagination. And those two little farm roads are now four-lane roads with turn lanes. And the intersection of those, those lanes, obviously not a four-way stop anymore, it's a mess of a traffic light. All kinds of people, probably thousands going through that intersection every day. And so they put up barriers between the north and south lane to keep, to keep traffic moving so people weren't waiting to turn and 
blocking that intersection. And so if you're going south, you wait through that horrible intersection. And then you see McDonald's and you get a Big Mac attack. You can't turn in. There's a barrier there. It's on this side. And so you have to go down a light or two where they allow you turns and come back. Go in, get your Big Mac, your large fry, your chocolate shake, your apple pie, whatever it is you want. You come out to the exit and you can't go home. You can't turn south. There's a barrier there. You've got to go north. What's north? That horrible intersection. And so you wait through that intersection. You've got to go up there. There's no U-turns allowed at those lights. So you go up there, turn in left or right to one of the businesses, wait through that light, come back to the horrible intersection again, wait through it a third time. By then, I'm finished with my meal and I'm probably hungry again. It would be a constant circle for me. But you know what people finally decided after a few years of that? There's a Wendy's down the road. There's a Burger King down the road. There's other things down the road. It may not be a Big Mac. It may not be exactly what I'm wanting. But at least I can get it and go home. I don't have to wait through all of that mess just for access. And so they finally bought property down the road. Very expensive property. Built a new store and tore the old store down. Because it doesn't matter how bad you want it. If you can't get to it. You're going to pass them by. Listen, God is good. And God is gracious. And God is glorious. And he made a way for us to get to him. He's accessible. He's reachable. But I had to have a word for my outline. So I looked up accessible in a thesaurus. Anybody know what a thesaurus is? It's a dinosaur with an excellent vocabulary. <laughs> no, I was in a Christian school many years ago. I was preaching revival there. And I didn't have, we didn't have computers then. I didn't have a thesaurus with me. So I went in and asked the lady running the school. I said, can I borrow the thesaurus? And the lady running the school said, what's that? And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't dare tell you what state even it was in. State of confusion for sure. So I looked up in my thesaurus and I found a word. Some of you are going to think this is, this is not a word, but we're in Kentucky, so we probably might, we might all know it. Okay? There's the word. Gettable. Do you know that was a real word? Don't, don't look me up now. You Google it after church, okay? Gettable. G-E-T-T-A-B-L-E. Our God is gettable. Able to be gotten. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. When you need him, he is gettable. You can reach him. He makes himself available. He says, come on over here and call on me. I am Gettable. Hallelujah. He's available this Monday night revival. Oh, I feel his presence right here to preach to somebody that needs him. Call on God. He is gettable. Hallelujah. He knows how important it is to make himself available to us. 
in 2021 when I was sick and we were off the road for seven months and I was on oxygen for over 10 months, Kelly and I probably called on God more than we ever have in our lives and we're not ashamed to admit it. If I'd have been texting Brother Jarvis as often as I was calling on Jesus, he'd have had to finally just make my number not alert him anymore. It's just too much trouble, too much of his time. But God always had time for us. I said he always had time for us. Sometimes when I'm praying, often when I'm praying, I quote scripture to him. I quote things that he wrote down. Not because I think he's forgotten it. I want him to know that I haven't forgotten it. I'll tell him, God, you said you would be my shield and my buckler and my high tower. You said that if I would ask for help in the time of trouble that you would deliver me. You said that I could ask anything in your name and you would do it. Lord, you said you were you would stay with me always, even to the end of the world, and you would never forsake me. And I quote scripture to him and I feel him answer back. Praise God. It's true. And I sing to him. I'll sing scripture-based songs to him. I stood in the bus that's right up there. It was tucked in the barn in the middle of a blizzard in Ohio in February and March of 2021. I put one hand up on the top of Odie's bunk. I put one hand over on the kitchen counter. That's side to side in our bus. That's the width right there. And I would march in place and I would sing. Oh, yes, the answer's on the way. This I know. My Jesus said it. I believe it and it's so. Our Heavenly Father knows our needs. Before we pray, you can rest assured. The answer's on the way. Anybody remember that old song from the 70s? Sing it with me. Oh, yes, the answer's on the way. This I know. My Jesus said it. I believe it and it's so. Our Heavenly Father knows our needs. Before we pray, you can rest assured the answer's on the way. Well, I told you I sing songs that are scripturally based. Where's the scripture for that? Before they call, I will answer. Before my people pray, I've already formulated an answer. Listen, I am 100% sure before I got sick, God had already planned the timely miracles that I would need. Hallelujah. Now they wasn't going to come unless I asked. The prayer triggered the answer that had already been prepared. Can you help me here just a moment? What do you need from him? I say call on him because the answer has already been formulated. Hallelujah. The answer is on the way. It shall come to pass. Before they call, I will answer. Can I, can I just preach my heart to you here a moment more? God is aware. God is aware. He knows. Remember, He's personal. He's gracious. Before you ask Him, He has the answer ready. For your troubled heart. 
for your sick body? The answer is already on the way. During that time, I did what I love to do. My, probably my only hobby is, well, I, sh- I told you what I do on vacation, didn't I? I like to preach. I like to go to church. And I didn't get paid for any of those times preaching. Money. Nobody ever gave me money. I do it because I like it. Don't tell Brother Jarvis that. Praise God. He keeps, he keeps taking up offerings every night. I hate for him to know I do it for free and have and love it. <laughs> Praise God. But my only real hobby is reading. I love to read. I love to read. And during that downtime, I read and read and read. And I read a story. And it was so remarkable, I thought, well, maybe somebody has embellished that story. Somebody, some, you know, has, has happened. Somebody told it. Somebody else told it. It got bigger. But I actually found videos of this missionary telling this story as it happened years ago and then late again in life telling it exactly the same way. Dr. Helen Rosevere was a missionary, a medical missionary. She was a doctor to the nation of the Congo in the 1950s, 60s. And 70s. Read about Dr. Helen Rosevere. She suffered unspeakable persecution as a missionary, but she loved people. She would go in these remote areas and open a clinic, small hospital, try to try to minister to their physical needs so that her team or somebody after her could come and minister to their spiritual needs. One great thing that she did everywhere she go was to help mothers. In childbirth, the infant mortality rate and the, and the death rate of birthing mothers in third world nations is extremely high. And so she would help mothers give birth. A woman came during the night, gave birth to a premature baby. And they didn't have incubators in Africa then. I would imagine some places don't have them now. Some of you remember the ordeal that Brother Huff went through trying to get dialysis machines into Nigeria and finally got them there. But the, the lady he was trying to save was already gone before the government would allow him in. And that's just that's the way it is in a third world nation. They had no incubator, they had no way to keep this baby's temperature warm except with a water bottle. And we're not talking about Sam's Choice or Nestle. Y'all remember, those of you 50 and older remember water bottles, don't you? My mother had one. It was a, it was a red water bottle. It's a, either rubber or hard plastic. And they would put almost boiling water into that bottle and screw the lid down inside on the threads, wrap it in a towel, wrap it in a blanket. It'd keep you warm at night. I've, I've seen people use them, put them at the foot of the bed and Keep your feet warm. If your feet can be warm, you can be warm. And they would put this close to that little baby and try to keep its body temperature regulated to where it would have enough strength to finally do it on its own. But the water bottle was broken. And so Dr. Rosevere went to the afternoon prayer meeting with her staff that they had every day, and she said, we need to pray for a water bottle. I mean, a ridiculous prayer. They don't have stores anywhere near there, but let's pray. And she said, let's also pray for a baby doll. One of our little girls here saw another girl with a primitive baby doll, and she's been praying for a baby doll. Let's pray. 
And so late that night, a shipping container came. They would get four or five of these containers a year that would come from the UK, big wooden box. They pried that box open. It had everything in it, all the medical supplies, and it usually had a packing list on top. On top of the packing list, there were two items. And you already know what they were, right? A water bottle and a baby doll. What, what I love, one thing I love about that is the baby doll, the, the water bottle was needed to sustain life. The, the, the baby doll, it was, just, it was just an extra in life. But God provided both of them. Oh, I don't doesn't really matter what you need here tonight. God's in the business of meeting your need. Here's what I want you to see. Five months before that day, that crate with a baby doll and a water bottle left England. Five months before they prayed. I just imagine some little grandma running to the port. Have you, have you shipped Dr. Rosevere's crate yet. No, we're just fixing to nail it shut. Well, I've got some things that need to go in it. Oh, we'll put them in the next one. No, God sent me to the store to buy a water bottle. God sent me to the store to buy a baby doll. It can wait. No, it can't wait. God wants them in this crate. And they just threw them in on top of the packing list, not knowing that they were an instrument to answer prayer that hadn't even been prayed yet. Oh, hallelujah. God is working for some of you just like that. Hallelujah. My, my, my. I hesitate to even say this, but when we were off of work, we'd go to the mailbox or open the email, and there would be money. And sometimes the people didn't even know I was sick, didn't even know why they were sending it. Of course, when I was sick, Duke Energy in my bank. They said, don't worry about your bills. We'll, we'll absorb. No, they didn't. They don't do that, do they? But God can meet your needs by miraculous yes, means. He can put food on your table. Yes. He put clothes on your children. He can put healing in your body. Yes. He can put peace in your troubled mind. The answer preaching to somebody here the answer is on the way would you bow your head with me please just a moment father thank you for speaking to us lord you said if we would ask if we would seek if we would knock lord we would find and the answer would be opened up to us Lord, I'm preaching to your people, blessed people, godly people who are struggling with situations that I don't know one thing about. Yet I feel confident in my spirit. You are speaking to men and women right here tonight. Telling them to believe you, trust you, the answer 
is already on the way. Lord, I know, I know you are working miracles in lives right here because that's the kind of God that you are. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for speaking. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the assurance of your word that I feel in your spirit. Here at London First Pentecostal, Lord, for these people tonight, home folks and visitors, preachers and laity, men and women, you are working, Lord, where we have not yet seen it. Thank you for it. Lord, help us to respond and trigger the blessing you have already planned by asking by faith in Jesus name we ask it and believe it and everyone can say amen would you stand with me saints of God you may be praying